This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Okay, if you got your Bible, which I hope you do, go to with me the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and so we begin in the area of faith, and we're, we're slashing that with the word favor. If you were here last week, we talked about favor. Psalm 512 says, God blesses the righteous, and his favor surrounds you like a shield. So when you read those areas, you've got to come to this, that God wants to help you in every area of your life. I don't care who you are in here. God wants to help you in every area of your life. But I must learn to live favor-minded. In other words, I must believe God in that area. I must trust God. And I find what the scriptures say, and I believe that. So one of the definitions of favor is kindness, to be endowed with, made accepted, to assist, special privilege, preferential treatment. The favor of God uh, is assisting you. And so we're going to hit this and begin tonight. And I I believe the word of God is going to teach us some great, great things tonight. So we begin the book of Luke chapter 2, verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. We're talking about Jesus' earthly mother and father. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and their acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was that after the three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. His clear uh, uh, apprehension of the word of God, it, it, it baffled some of them how he understood the scriptures at this age. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you. And, uh, We sought you and anxiously, and he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Verse 51. Then he went down with them, and he came to Nazareth, and was subject or obedient to them. The Amplified says he was habitually obedient to his parents, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased, he matured, he grew in wisdom, in full understanding and stature. Now get this, and he increased or matured and grew in favor with God and with man. Wow. So I want to highlight something there. If Jesus, while he was on this earth in in flesh and blood like me and you, grew in favor with God and man, it must be possible for me and you to grow in favor with God and man. And this is interesting that this would say this about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so favor doesn't just happen by chance, but I believe there's, there's choices that me and you make that position you or align you with God's favor 
And it said he grew also with the favor of man. So when I read into that, I I don't care where I'm out and about, what you're doing in life. There's ways that I can grow with favor, not only with God, but with man. And so as you begin to look at this here, I have to think, okay, but this was Jesus. And that's what a lot of people would say. Well, Pastor, that was Jesus. But what's interesting right here in this passage, that that same statement was said in 1 Samuel 2.26 to the young man named Samuel, who was a man also. And so once you begin to find out that God's no respecter of persons, and so the very things that God did right here or desired to do with the Lord, he wants to do with every one of us. So I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm looking at all this. And, and right here in this verse, it cross-references me to the last part where it says that he increased in favor with God and man. So I thought, well, how's that happen? So go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Now, this is where this takes us. So what it's doing, it's given me and you biblical enlightenment on how we can increase in favor with God and man. So, man, I begin to dig in here. And I think, man, Lord, I, I, I want to know everything I can get a hold of to increase with favor with God and man. Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my law. Don't forget my word at, at any time. Now, right there's the first nugget that I got to get. In, in able to grow or increase in favor with God and man, the very first thing he said is you got to get a hold of the word of God. In other words, learn to live by the word of God. Put it above everything else. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. They will defend you. Now, it's interesting right here that he, he says these things about the Word of God. So within the obedience to the Word of God, there's length of days, long life, and even peace when I obey them. And that blesses me to think that. Verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake you. In other words, hold on to mercy and truth. Don't let them leave you. And so to a degree, you know what I think he's telling us here? It would be like one of your most prized possessions. Man, you hold on to it. You do everything you can to protect that, whatever that may be. Well, in this sense right here, he's telling us, man, don't let mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Implement them in action and deed. And and when he says wear them around your neck, I believe to a degree it's saying let, let the word of God influence your mouth and even your mind. Speak the word. Meditate on the word. Live the word of God. Verse 4. And so find favor. And so find favor. The, the, the word favor here is, is derived from the term of undeserved. 
And so when I get a hold of the word of God and man, I live with the word of God, I'm going to receive undeserved favor or better yet, divine assistance. It's like God comes on the scene and God starts blessing you. And when the favor of God begins to happen in your life, you have the thought or a knowing on the inside of you. I really don't deserve this, but I really do like it. I really appreciate it. I really value it. I, I, I sense God's favor moving in my life. And so he said, you find favor and high esteem or good understanding in the sight of God and in the sight of man. And so when I look at both of those, when, when I walk this earth and I obey the word of God, the first promise is you'd find favor with God. But he said you'd find favor with man. And so something begins to happen that positions me because of this favor with God toward man. And, and, and when I, I, I look, begin to look at this, it's with joy. The message says you earn a reputation of living well. You conduct your life and your business with honor, uh, honesty. And so people begin to take notice because when I live by the word of God, I'm going to live with character. I'm going to live with integrity. I'm going to live with honesty. Now, I don't know about you. I enjoy doing life with people like that. And so they begin to take notice and that you become a person of your word. And so because of those things, Man, I start finding favor, and I like the high esteem. And I find favor and high esteem with God. And so right there, and I encourage you, uh, meditate on this passage right here, because these are the way we grow and increase in favor. Turn back in the New Testament. I'm going to have you going back and forth, the New Testament and the Old Testament. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. So again... Learn to live favor-minded. Begin to, to begin to expect God to move in your life. Be, begin to say, Father God, I, I welcome your favor today. Let me ask you something. If, if you were here last week or you listened to the podcast, how many of you have been putting this to practice at all right now? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Praise the Lord. I, I tell you, it's, it's some of the most hits I've had on a podcast and even response from so many people to tell me, man, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. And we are, we are stepping out by faith and believing this. And so again, I want you to see biblically just how this operates. So we begin here, Acts 13, verse 16. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. You who reverence God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers, and he exalted the people. Who did? God exalted the people. God's still in the business of exalting people. When they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of them. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in their wilderness. He endured their behavior. Now what this is doing, and it's, it's giving you a little timeline of, of the, the Israelites or the Jewish people. Verse 19. And when he destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. 
After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. Afterwards, they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when God had removed him, he raised up for them David as a king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Now, I, I want you to notice the last part in this. That he says, a man after God's own heart. Now, look how God defines a man after his own heart. A man who will do my will. He will do my purpose. He'll, he'll do my word. And so again, when I look at this, this is why God said this about David. So he's a man after God's own heart. But when you think about David's life, David was far from perfect. David made terrible choices at times in his life. He had made bad decisions. He committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. He ordered her husband to be murdered. And so he not only had bad choices, he made bad mistakes. Now just for a minute, let me ask you something. Have you ever made bad choices and bad mistakes? Yes, I have. I've made horrible choices and horrible mistakes. Why do I highlight that? Because that doesn't eliminate you from the things of God. I want you to understand that tonight. There's many of you will have the thought, oh, God, God would never do that for me. You, you have a resume of all the things you've done that are bad. Well, welcome to the NFL. Which of us in here haven't made bad mistakes, bad choices? And so when I begin to look at this with King David, King David, he repents. He asks God to forgive him. Actually, if we had time, we'd go to the book of Psalms, the 51st Psalm. That's a good one to read. But in Psalm 51, King David stands before God and he says, only against you, God, have I sinned. Only against you. And so when I look at that, you realize real quick, David, he, he didn't act like Adam did in the garden and said, it's that woman you gave me why I sinned. When he said, only before you, God, have I sinned. David was a, a man in this sense because he owned up, he took responsibility for his actions, his choices, and his mistakes. He didn't try to blame it on anybody else. That's a huge thing in the area of repentance. And so not only does he ask God to forgive him, after he asks God forgiving, he doesn't dwell on his faults, his wrongs, or his choices. In, in Psalm 51, verse 10, he said this, he said, Create in me a new heart and renew me with a steadfast spirit. In other words, Father God, the message says it this way. Shape a Genesis week in the chaos of my life. And so it's not like David was throwing in the towel. David was like saying, okay, okay, Father God, I'm going to believe you and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to live for you. I'm not going to dwell on my past. 
I've, I've repented and you've forgiven me. So if you've forgiven me, I'm going to let it go. Now turn back into the Old Testament to the 23rd Psalm. Now this may be a Psalm. Uh, most of us in here are going to remember this. Psalms 23. Now this was King David. And so as you're turning to Psalms 23, it's just six verses. I, I'm going to read, or I'm going to quote verses 1 through 6 really, really fast, and then we're going to go and break down verses 4, 5, and 6 because it's huge for us tonight. Psalms 23, verse 1, or the whole psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name. Say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff cover me. Thou prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll live and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, some of you want me to wrap that, I know. That's a mouthful. I was having to take oxygen. I read it real fast because, again, I want to get to verse 4. Now, watch this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, think about that, guys. That's not a pleasant place. But if you're walking through it, that doesn't mean you pitched your tent there and you're camping there. He said, man, I, as though I walked through the valley of the shadow. He's on his way out of it. Keep walking. Don't give up. Don't quit. And he goes on to say, for you are with me. That's an interesting statement right there. Right in the valley of the shadow of death, he says, for you are with me. In other words, when you're going through a, a hell, don't stop. Keep moving on with God. God will get you through it. And so this is where he says, Lord, you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. The word comfort there means consoles me, extends compassion to me. It does not describe casual sympathy, but rather deep empathy. He's with me. He comforts me. In other words, my shepherd, he's got this. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. Now, can you picture that right there? You anoint my head with oil. Now, this is where it really, really, really got interesting to me right here. You anoint my head with oil. So I begin to dive into the word of God. And the word oil right there is, is represented in, in two ways. The first representation of the oil right there is the anointing oil. A uh, good biblical reference for you on that is James 5.14. It says, anoint them with oil and pray the fair of faith over them and God would heal them. Anoint them with oil. So he's talking about anointing oil but the second oil, and this is what this one meant right here, this oil right here is the act that shows favor and excellent hospitality. So literally stated right here when he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with favor and with excellent hospitality. And so I began to look at that and I thought, 
This is a guy who just two verses before or a verse before said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but yet his expectation wasn't to stay in the valley of death. His expectation was, man, my God is favoring me. My God is favoring me. Now, listen to what it says. This, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. If your cup is running over, you know what that means? That's too much. I don't know about you. I like a God that's the too much God. I love that thought right there. Now, verse 6. Listen to his expectation right here. This was his expectation. Surely, the Amplified says, or only goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, this was this guy's expectation. And remember, this wasn't a perfect guy. So when he says his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of his life, I believe the goodness was on his left shoulder and mercy was on his right shoulder. And every time he'd walk, he'd say, oh, his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And if you note there, he said, all the days of my life. He didn't just say on my birthday. He said, all the days of my life. His goodness and his kindness chase me down everywhere I go, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you know what his statement there at the end was? I'm going to be with God forever. Whether on this place called earth or when I exit out of here and I go to heaven, I'm going to be with God forever. Now, when you read this, many times we don't have the expectation. Ah, God wouldn't put that oil on me. God wouldn't favor me. God wouldn't want me to have excellent hospitality. Oh, I'm one of those people that I'm going to get the worst end of the stick. Nothing good ever happens to me. And I'm going to tell you, we've got to get a hold of the Word of God and begin to look at that. And that's why I highlighted his past, that he wasn't perfect. But something happens when I begin to live favor-minded like he did. And I say, I thank you today, Father God. Woo, I thank you, your goodness and your mercy follow me all the days of my life. I thank you today, Father God. You bless me, you're righteous, your favor surrounds me like a shield. Let me, let me tell you this. this. This happened a few months ago. When, when me and Shelly were blessed to go to Israel, you, you flew, your main, your main airfare or flight was from Denver and all, all over across was into Munich, Germany. And then on the way home, it was from Frankfurt, Germany back into Denver. It's, it's roughly 10 hours. Now this, this is what they had to pray for me because I, I don't do real good sitting still. I'm serious. I mean, the, the thought of me sitting still for 10 hours, I had to fight depression. Like, oh my gosh. So we get on the plane in Denver, snowing. They take us out on the tarmac. They start de-icing everything. So when we get on the plane, if I remember correctly, it's a big plane. It's three seats, four seats, and three seats. And we're getting on there. And all of a sudden it hits me and I'm like, oh no. We're over here where there's three seats. But the first row where Shelly is to sit, there's a guy here and another guy here. 
and she's supposed to sit in the middle. Well, it didn't take a rocket scientist for me to figure out I'm, I'm not with her. And so I look at the next row, and there's a woman here and a woman here, and then that's my seat. And both women were German. I'm not against German people. But they speak about as much English as I do German. I think the only German words I know is sauerkraut. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But. And so I, I look and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this, this isn't good. I'm, I'm sandwiched in two ladies I can't communicate with. They don't know me. I don't know them. And this flight is through the night. And I'm sitting there just like this as it is. I'm thinking, oh. so I sit there. And well, again, we're on that flight line of the tarmac. And I said out of my mouth, I said, God, I need your favor right now, Lord. I need you to move for me in some way. And I, I'm telling you, this isn't good. I'm like, I, I'm on the verge of freaking. I'm like saying, that, that's it. Get me off the plane. I'm done. So we sit there for an hour. They're defrosting. And man, I keep, Lord, I, I welcome your favor, Father God. I need the favor of God. I need the favor of God. And I happened to glance back and I looked and catty corner behind me, I could see through the seat. In that middle aisle, there was two seats that no one was in. So I scoped them out for a few minutes. I'm making sure no one's up going to the bathroom or something. No one sits down. So I look and this stewardess comes walking back at me. And I said, hey. And I said, ma'am. I said, there's two open seats over there. I said, this is my wife in front of me. And I said, I don't do very well in life without her. <laughs> Which is the truth. I mean, you got to realize, I've been married for 38 years. I don't do real well without my helpmate. And I said, it would be a huge blessing for me if I could go over there. And she said, absolutely, sir. I tell you, I, I wanted to do cartwheels. I was so happy. I was like, oh. So I'm flying home. I'm at the airport in Tel Aviv, Israel at five in the morning and we walk up to the ticket counter and I say to the little girl, I said, are you doing my flight from here all the way to Denver? And she said, yes, sir. And I said, I've got to sit by my wife. Do not separate me. She said, I gotcha, I gotcha. We board the plane in Frankfurt and I start looking and I realize I'm going to choke her. I'm going to choke her. And I look and I say, there's no seat. They're all taken and there's one here and one there and one over there. And I realize, oh my gosh, not again. I'm on to say, Lord, what do you want to teach me through this? And so right there, I said, Father God, I welcome your favor here again today. I really, really, really need your favor, Father God. So we come walking up. In this one seat is this little Hebrew, little Jewish girl. How do you know she's Jewish? Because she ultimately had to sit by me. I looked at her and she goes, is that your wife? And I said, that's my wife. And she said, you know what? I'm going to move everything I have over here and you guys can sit by each other. And I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, you are good. <laughs> you are good. You are so good to me. And again, I, I don't take it for granted. Again, I want you to understand, this is not from a statement of arrogance or pride. This is from, man, this is what God's word says. Now, I'm going to read Luke chapter 4, verse 17 in the Amplified. Now, you say, man, is that the Amplified? Are they all that big? Well, this is four ver versions of the Bible right here. 
Luke 4, verse 17 in the Amplified. And there was handed to Jesus the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened and rolled the book, and he found the place where it is written. Now, this is Isaiah 61, it's where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. That's the first thing. Jesus wants to preach the gospel. Keep reading. He has sent me to announce release to the captives. He has sent me to recover the sight of the blind, to send forth and deliver those who are oppressed, those who are downtrodden, those who are bruised, crushed and broken down by calamity. That may describe you tonight, okay? Jesus came for every bit of that. Verse 19. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Thank you. I'm going to come back there to you, Ernest. I'm going to preach to you, buddy. I read that and I thought, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. If God wants to hear the gospel to all of us, God sets the captives free. God wants to heal. He wants to bless those ones that have been crushed by calamity. And then he comes out and says, when, when, when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Now, the word profusely isn't a word I use all the time, so I looked it up. And the word profusely meant abundant or extravagant, so when the favor of God abundantly or extravagantly comes into my life. The word abundant there or abound means to have in great quantities. So again, when I look at this, Jesus doesn't just want you saved. It's like Jesus says, I got some favors for you. And so let me ask you something. How do you get born again? You got to believe in Jesus. Remember Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. So again, when I look at the profound favors that he wants to bless me with, man, I got to get to a place where I believe. I say, Father God, I thank you today. Whoa, I I thank you. Your favors are abounding me profusely. Your your favors are coming upon me to overtake. There's a couple of you looking at me like, man, he is wacko. I didn't say that, okay? The Bible said that. I'm going to believe the word of God. And you know what? If, if you don't want that blessing on your way home tonight, tell him, say, Father God, I don't want that favor. Send it to pastor. Because he'll take it. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.